So, okay. Um, if someone were to say about you, this person is always doing fill in the blank. So someone were to say, Lacey is always what? Not wearing socks. If you were to say this about yourself, Lacey's always not wearing shoes. Um, if someone were to say this about you, what would they say? They would say, you are always doing what? So for me, um, I was talking um, to a couple people about this, and um, <laughs> mainly my wife, and Vicky was saying, you are always thinking. You're always thinking about something. You're always doing something. It's really hard for me to just sit on the couch and relax and watch TV. Uh, is anyone else like that? Like, you always have to be moving and doing something? Anyone else? So, like, I have found that doing the dishes, like, it's not a chore. It's a joy. I love it because I just need to do, I need to do something. I, it's hard for me to sit still. Um, I'm always doing something. I'm also always, I'm always thinking about, uh, thinking about sermons, thinking about, um, so it doesn't matter what setting I'm in. Like, I could be a duck, a duck could walk in front of me, and I'd be like, how could that be a part of a sermon somewhere, right? I'm always thinking about how could this be in a sermon. So uh, Vicky and I, we're about to go uh, to Israel, and we're going, we're going with Doug and Trinity. We're going to Israel, we're going to Jordan, which is next to Israel, and then we're going through Germany on the way back. Um, so, uh, so Vicky and I will be gone for a couple weeks. And um, Tanner, Tanner was talking to me, Tanner, the college uh, director. He was, he was talking to me about preaching. All right. He was talking to me about preaching at the next sanctuary, and he was like, well, I don't know if you'll have time to think about what you're going to preach on because you'll be in Israel. And I was like, no, 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 that's not how it works. Like, I'll have written, like, 15 sermons while I'm in Israel because I'll just be thinking and applying and, like, always thinking about how something could relate. So I'll probably have, like, a ton of things that I want to share. Um, I'm always thinking. But for you, there's some more to ask you or some more to say about you. Yeah, she is always, what would they say? Would they say she is always encouraging and building people up? Or they say, he is always just being a jerk and tearing people down. He's always gossiping. Or you know what? She, she is always on her phone. She's all, you know what? He is always checking Snapchat. She is always finding fault. Or maybe she's always doing homework. She's always working. Or he's always playing sports. What would they say you're always doing? Um, most people would say that, that teenagers, and especially our generation, that we're always promoting ourself. I said this in my, my Be Bold sermon uh, a couple weeks ago, that the 54% of teenagers want to be celebrities. Um, maybe you don't actually say that as like, uh, one day I want to be a celebrity, but you, you want to be famous. You want people to know you. You want to get the most likes on Instagram. Um, you want, even we do this in our friend groups, like am I funnier than this person? And we, we do a comparison game. Um, because we want to be the goat. We want to be the greatest of all time. Um, and I listen to a lot of sports radio, and in sports radio, they often debate who's the goat. And so there's been a debate. Uh, one of the people that, that, that say might be the goat is Kobe Bryant. Uh, but most people would say, no, actually, he's not the goat because he just kind of he mimics Michael Jordan's basketball playing, so it's not really him. Um, Recently, people have started to say, this guy's the GOAT, LeBron James. Um, see, are, are you already hear the argument in here. Who's, but we all know for sure now, because the Super Bowl has ended, and we do know 
that this guy is the GOAT. Tom Brady, he's won six Super Bowls. Um, so as far as being the most winning quarterback with Super Bowls, um, he is the greatest of all time. But we have this sense that we want to be great, that we want to be noticed. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It's hard because that, that's what we want, but that's diametrically opposed to the life that Jesus is calling us into. Because in the kingdom, you don't, you don't want to be great through self-promotion. You're actually great through serving others. It's diametrically opposed to the life of Jesus. In Acts 9, 36, we find um, a woman named Tabitha. Um, in Greek, her name is Dorcas. She's just like her parents, man. They probably should have um, thought more about that. She was always doing good and helping the poor. Dorcas was always doing good and was always helping the poor. It was what she was always doing. It's crazy. There was this scene where actually Dorcas dies and they like raise her from the dead. It's this crazy thing because her ministry was so important. She's one of the first women that are mentioned in um, mentioned with the apostles. Dorcas is so important because she's always helping others. She's always doing good and helping the poor. Um, this is what she was always doing. As Christians, we are called to always be serving. And I want you to write this because I want this to be a statement that you would even maybe say to yourself. I want you to write, I am a servant of the Most High God. When I am serving, I am serving Christ. Serving is not just something I do, it's an action that reflects who I am. Say this with me. I am a servant of the Most High God. When I serve, I am serving Christ. Serving is not just something I do. It's an action that reflects who I am. Serving isn't just something we do. It's an action that overflows from who we are. So we have been served by Christ. He loved us. He gave his life up for us. Um, and because of that, in response, we serve others. It's different than other religions. In other religions, you serve to get a good resume, and you serve to get into college. Um, you serve so God will love you. That's not how it works. Within Christianity, you serve because it's a response that you have been served. Last week, we talked about this, that, that serving, that worship, that that life is the exhale to the inhale, inhale of grace, right? We talked about this last week, that serving is the exhale after you've inhaled his grace, his love, what he's done for us in Jesus. Serving is not just something we do. It's an action that reveals who we are. And so today, we're going to look at three images from Scripture that I hope would inspire us to serve, um, that would inspire us to serve, because we're going into a month of March um, that, that's going to be all based on service for us in high school ministry. That's what it's about. Um, so the first thing, the first image is bring a lunch. Bring a lunch. So King David... We also talked about him last week. He's crazy, killed a bear with his hands, slayed Goliath. You know, before David was a war hero, he actually was a shepherd, which is not a really flashy job. You're around smelly animals all the time. You're actually pretty low on the totem pole as far as social structure within, um, within that culture, right? It's like being a trash man, right? But the trash is alive, I don't know. That's like sheep, like lowest of the low. He, he, he was, um, yeah, so he was a shepherd, and... He was out taking care of um, his, his sheep, 
And his dad, Jesse, said, you need to go to your other seven brothers, which he, he was one of eight brothers, which is a crazy thing. That's crazy. Imagine having seven other brothers. And his dad said, this might not make sense to you. This isn't in the Bible, but I'm filling this in. This might not make sense to you. This might not seem like a big deal. But what I need you to do is I need you to take some food. I need to take your, this food to your other brothers. And the other brothers, there was like Israel on one side and the Philistines were on the other side. Um, there were two hills. And they were just kind of at the stalemate. And this guy, Goliath, comes out and he's like, send somebody, send a warrior. Who's going who's gonna to fight? Who's going to take me on? And like, no, like none of the Israelites, they were all afraid. And so his brothers are on um, this, at this camp with the other Israelites. And so David goes to his brothers. He goes to his brothers and he brings them a lunch. Um, one day Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain mm, and then 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. See how your brothers are, are, do, are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. See, most people think of David as being a war hero. But what I want you to get, I want you to get this. Before he was a war hero, Hero, which is an Oreo mixed with a hero, delicious. Um, before he was a war hero, he was a servant. He didn't get there by saying, all right, I'm going to, you know, he got there by serving first. He did what no one else saw as important. And this, um, in, in Christian tradition, it's called the discipline of secrecy. To do something and no one else will see that you did it. To serve someone without getting recognized. To go to Mexico, but not to post it to Instagram. To do the 30-hour famine, but not to complain the whole time that you're fasting. It's to do something good for someone without anybody else knowing. David did something that seemed small and insignificant. Um, I, I saw this interesting story um, that George H.W. Bush, he actually had a, um, he, through Compassion, which is like World Vision, they do this uh, adopt kind of a child where for like $30, $35 a month, you send um, money, and they provide health, um, like, like uh, medicine, they provide food, they provide water um, and shelter, all for these kids. And so he did, um, he used a, a pseudonym, so he, he didn't want to say that he was President George H.W. Bush, because then like the, the kid that he was adopting would get too much attention, or maybe like even would get kidnapped or something crazy. But he also didn't want his Secret Service to be the one who did it. He didn't want it to be, yeah, my assistant's going to go out and do this. He wanted to actually serve himself. And through letters and pictures, which began in 2002, President George Bush um, tested the boundaries of a pseudonym and showed Timothy, <laughs> Timothy was his adopted um, sponsored child, he showed him true love and kindness, which Timothy still reflects on today. Listen to this. Uh, Timothy was raised by a single mother who provided for her family by washing clothes. He shares that they were so poor um, he says that my mother could not buy school supplies and other things for us, sometimes not even food. I remember receiving so many encouraging letters from him, a calculator and colored pencils and markers. I was eight years old then and really loved the drawing, um, drawing pictures. I sent some of my drawings to him and realized now that I was sending my drawings to the White House. Now I feel embarrassed because my drawings weren't that good. <laughs> and then he says, I will forever be grateful I am now the father of a three-year-old girl and will do my best to be a great father to her, provide for her, and lead her to the ways of the Lord. To the late and former President of the United States of America, Mr. George Bush, thank you very much for being my sponsor. No one saw what he was doing, but he changed a life. What David was doing, bringing a lunch, 
No one saw that as important, um, but it changed a nation. Bring a lunch. Second thing, second picture from scripture, offer a ride. Offer a ride. 500 years before Jesus was born, there was a prophecy um, in, in Zechariah, and it was that Jesus would ride in on a donkey. So how did that happen? Where did he get the donkey from? Um, well, they stole it. They asked for it. Um, so Jesus sends out a couple, of his, uh, a couple of his disciples, and he says, okay, you know what? I want you to go find a donkey. This donkey has never been ridden before. Uh, it'll be tied up. Go, go find it. Um, and then if they ask, say, the Lord has need of it. Um, and so they go out, they find this donkey, and they find there's, two, there's a couple people um, who uh, own the donkey, and we think that, that, that they were business owners, because to own a donkey, donkeys were very expensive. Um, and so what, what happens is they come up, they ask for it, um, and the business owner does not say, oh, I didn't know that you wanted the really nice donkey, the one with like, all like, the cool shocks and like, all the stuff, and it looks awesome. Like, I thought you wanted the old run-down donkey. You can have that donkey, but you can't have this donkey, because this donkey has never been ridden before. No, the, the, the guy, the, the business owner, which I love, we don't know his name. We don't know where he's from. We don't get any of that information. Um, he, he doesn't say any of those things. Instead, he says, you know what? If the Lord has need of it, you can use it. And he lets them use the donkey. He offers a ride. How many of you would be here if someone didn't offer you a ride today? Some of you drove yourselves. But I guess the question, when you started coming to church, or maybe you were invited by a friend. I have a friend um, who actually, she's going into ministry right now, going into full-time ministry, and she didn't come to church, and the only way she started coming to church is because someone rolled up at her house and said, get in the car, we're going to youth group. And she got in, and now, you know, does that sound bad? Is that what you're saying? Well, fine. She said, hey, come on, get in the car, we're going to youth group. And, um, and because of that, her life has been changed. You could change someone's life by offering them a ride. Go another step. Don't just invite people. Don't bring people along to the things that, that you're inviting them to. Offer a ride. The third picture we get from scripture is carry a towel. This is the last picture that Jesus wants us to see. Jesus, he's with the disciples. They're in, um, they're in the upper room, and there's an argument that breaks out. The argument is, who's the goat? Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest of all time? They're literally arguing about who's the greatest. And you could tell, like, I'm sure John was like, I'm the greatest. I'm awesome. John actually wrote about himself um, in the third person in the Gospel of John, and he calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. So you could tell that, like, he thought he was awesome. I'm the, I'm the apostle Jesus loved. I'm the one he loved. I'm great. And then Peter's like, probably like, no, no, John, I'm better. Remember when Jesus, like, wanted me to walk on water, and I actually got out of the boat, and you guys didn't get out of the boat, and the other disciples were like, actually, you sunk, and you had to get rescued by Jesus, and then Peter's like, but I was rescued. He didn't let me sink, which means he loved me, right? They're going back and forth, and then Bartholomew's probably like, I'm awesome, and I'm great, and people are like, Bartholomew, even though you were a disciple, <laughs> no one will ever remember you, so they're having this crazy fight about who is the greatest, and I think it's super funny because I think that we do it too. We argue about who's the greatest. Um, we try to promote ourselves. We try to compare ourselves to others. Um, I was kind of convicted by something I posted to Instagram um, like a couple years ago where I had spoke at a camp. And on Instagram, there's like a picture of all the kids who um, 
like, I don't know who I, I've spoken to. And I wrote, like, so grateful that I got to share the gospel with over 250 kids. Or so, I don't know, I said, like, some line. I'm like, and I was thinking about this past week. Why did I need to say how many kids? What, like, what am I doing in that moment? I'm just trying to promote. I'm just trying to be great. I'm just trying to get people to notice. Like, what, what am I? We almost really need to evaluate what we're posting. Like, what, what are we doing? Like, are we trying to get people to, to, to look at us and give us attention? And, and like, like, if that's what's driving what we're doing, what are we doing? That, that, that's not the life of Jesus. That's not what he invites us to. It's not, like, we don't get great through self-promotion. We get great by losing ourselves, by giving ourselves up, by serving others. Um, I only post, like, eight things on Instagram, so you could probably go find that thing that's still there. Um, but... They're arguing about who's the greatest, and then Jesus looks around. He looks around the room. He looks around, he sees proud hearts, and he sees dirty feet, and he, he gets a towel, and he starts washing, which is gross, because um, feet are disgusting, especially in the first century. Um, you got interesting sandal creations that you're wearing. You're walking around on dirt everywhere. You're walking everywhere because um, donkeys are really expensive, if you haven't heard. Um, and it's just filthy. And so washing feet, it'd be like if you were to come into my house and I'd say, hey, you want some water? You may take your coat. Um, it was something that you would do to welcome uh, a guest. But it, a host would never wash feet. The servant would wash feet. But Jesus, you guys need to get this. This is is huge. This is crazy. This is controversial. This is, wow. It would be on TMZ the next day. Like, it's crazy. The creator who was there in the beginning, the co-creator of the universe, the living water, the true vine, the lion of Judah, like our defender, our savior, the rescuer, the light of the world, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, got down and washed feet. And how often this week are we like, no, that's above me. No, my mom asked me to do that, but that's above me. Oh, that's going to inconvenience me. Oh, that's going to make me feel uncomfortable. The creator of everything got down, washed feet. This is crazy. Um, Jesus, um, Jesus says the greatest among you will be your servant. Serving is not just something that we do. It's who we are. Um, I'm going to end with this final story. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says this. And it's on the screen. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd, a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Who do you want to be, a sheep or a goat? To the goats, he will say, I'm sorry, I didn't know you. To the goats, he'll say, I, I didn't know you. <laughs> to the sheep, he'll say, welcome to the kingdom I prepared for you. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will say, that's cool. It's cool we're getting in. It's awesome. But what? We don't remember any of that. When did we 
When did we feed you when you were hungry or thirsty? Or, or when did we visit you as a when you were a stranger? Or when did we give you clothes? When did we do those things? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. What did we do? It was whenever you served the least of these, whenever you went out of the way, whenever you did that, you did that for me. One day you will stand before God. Um, he'll say, thank you. And you'll say, what? He'll say, thank you for serving children. And you'll say, what? When? Hey, remember that time where, where every Sunday that you came and you, you served the children's ministry at Trinity and you cared for these kids? Remember when you gave up that summer and you ran that VBS? You, you did that for me. Or he'll say, hey, thanks for, thanks for caring for the poor. And you'll say, when? Well, when you gave up that 30-hour family, when you gave up that weekend and you, you spent time there. And, and then they'll say, well, thank you. And you'll say, thank you for what? And then they'll say, thank you for, for, for welcoming me. And they'll say, when do we welcome you? When you saw someone who felt, who looked like they were on the outside and who was the first time to church. And, and, and because of that, you did that for me. In the kingdom of God, the little things are the big things. That's why I use these three things. Because anybody can carry a towel, can give a ride. Anybody um, can offer a lunch. In the kingdom of God, the little things are the big things. A lot of people will say, I don't have any gifts. I don't know what. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not special. I can't sing on the worship team. I don't have any talent. The things of God, they, they're the small things that don't take a lot of talent. They just take faithfulness. They take faithfulness. How to become great in the kingdom is by becoming less about you and more about God, which means you're more about others. The greatest among you will be your servant. Um, so application, turn to the backside. We're going to hit this and then spend some time brainstorming. This isn't optional. Serving is not optional. We are servants. It's who we are. And so if you find yourself having the wrong motivations maybe when you serve, or if you find yourself never wanting to serve, that's a problem because it comes from a motivation, and your motivation comes from your heart, and your heart should be filled with Christ. And so if it, this is who we are. This is our identity. We are servants. So here, I'm just going to give you some practical things here. Um, find a consistent place to serve. Find a consistent place to serve. Um, look, at, look at your leaders in the room right now. This they probably do a lot more outside of this, but this is their consistent place where they are serving you guys. They are serving you here. I mean, you can look at them. You can give them a round of applause if you want to because they're great. Um, they, they give like, they don't get paid. They're always here. And they never, never, usually never get recognized. Maybe one year when their kids are seniors, they might say thank you. Um, but they are here and they serve because they know that they're not just serving you, they're serving God. Um, and this is the weekly place that they do that. Where are you serving weekly? I put some brainstorming things. So where are you serving your family, your friends, your teammates? Um, you need to see your family as an opportunity for you to serve. And Jesus might say to you, thank you. And you'd be like, when? And he's like, when you did the dishes. All right. Um, how can you serve those in need? Where are those in need in your community? We need to do this more as a high school group, but I also want you to just think, who is in need in your community? Um, who can you be serving every week? How can you serve at church? I mentioned children's ministry. We'll be launching some of that stuff as we go into summer. But it would be awesome if we were all serving this next generation of kids. You also should take advantage of periodic serving. So there are unique opportunities that don't happen every day. So 30-hour famine. This is one of the things I just talked about. It's right there. If you passed around that sign-up sheet or it didn't get to you, you can still sign up on the way out the door. Um, Mexico mission trip. 
This is an opportunity for you. Take it. Because these opportunities, these periodic opportunities, actually shape your heart to be um, to have more eyes like Christ the rest of the year. So you do that one thing, and that thing helps you serve the rest of um, the rest of the year, not just during that one experience. Um, during the th- um, the 30 days of March, we're going to be in a series called "What Would Jesus Undo." It's going to be rad because he would undo disease, he would undo suffering, he would undo discrimination, he would undo hunger, he would undo poverty, and we're going to be digging into it. It's going to be so good. So you can come during that series. Um, And then three, daily. We need to wake up every day and say, God, I'm your servant. It's not what I do, it's who I am. I am a servant of the Most High God. Let me have eyes to see where I need to be serving you. And man, God will call you. He'll say, go talk to that person, go love this person. He will. He will. Um, There's a little going deeper activity. If you want to, you can tally this week, maybe even on your hand. Have little tallies of every time that you you served. And then it's not, oh, look, Joel, you did. No, discipline of secrecy. You don't need to tell other people. Um, The Pharisees wanted to tell everybody when they prayed and when they gave. Um, And Jesus said, don't tell anybody um, because your reward will be in heaven. Um, Cool. So right now, I talked so long, um, but I'm really just passionate about this. Um, We need this. It's what we lack. We're really good at coming to church, um, but this is where we need to grow as a high school ministry. This is where we need to grow, because this is hard. It's against the current of our culture, um, but it's what we need, because this is what Jesus calls us to, and one day he will say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen. All right, team, we uh, I, I ate up a lot of our time, honestly, um, and we're going to do, so because of that, we're going to split up in here, and I'd like you to go with your class, so circle around your counselors, and um, Really, if you just want to look through those application questions, try to get something that you're actually going to do as you leave.